Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 23 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Spirit of Elijah. Our teacher is Alan Smith. So Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this day. And we do ask and pray there that you'd be with us in Revelation, that you'd touch our hearts, that you'd be with us in great revelation and understanding as you lead us in your truth of these last days. Empower us, open our hearts into the revelation of your spirit. Forgive us, O oh God, of our sins and our trespasses, where we have fallen short and been in disobedience. Lord, we do ask and pray for forgiveness of those things, that we might walk before your presence, cleansed by the blood of Christ with understanding who we are because of your forgiveness. And we thank you for the privilege to be here under that name and under that banner. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, once again, as we are in this uh, series of this teaching, as in the days of Noah, I wonder if, if uh, how many lessons I'll have before his return. And it, uh, I would love to see the Lord conclude it quickly, but perhaps not. But it says, so as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And as we see and as we go into the scripture uh, of this time and this day and this age that we're living in, uh, we see the church is being called, as you'll see today with Elijah. And how the church and how we're being called to take the gospel uh, to the world. And, you know, a lot of times it's a, um, uh, perhaps our concepts of what the church is, uh, I think is uh, sometimes skewed and keeps us from uh, fulfilling our call as a, as a church. And it's a, uh, because the church, some people... Uh, as far as the gospel of the kingdom is concerned, they'll, uh, they'll not contribute much to the gospel going forth to the world uh, because they're under this idea that the church is going to do it. The church will do it, and so therefore the gospel's going out, and so therefore I am somewhat satisfied that I am uh, doing what I should do because the church is, is, is doing it. And I submit to you, that's still the wrong concept. And if you would, just follow me just here for a second as we're going into this teaching today. Uh, the church is a place, some people see the church as taking care of the gospel of the kingdom. Others think that the church is supposed to do their gospel of the kingdom. In other words, I'm going to come to church and God called me to do a big ministry and so therefore, I want the church to uh, uh, be the organization that pulls off my ministry. Well, I, that's also a wrong concept because I've been involved in all of those and you try to sort it out and you try to think, well, that sounds admirable or sounds like perhaps, but it doesn't ever work. Somebody's feelings gets hurt or whatever. So if you see the church 
as the organization is to pull off your ministry, you're still kind of missing it. We're kind of missing it. The church is a place we come together to be equipped to go do the work of the ministry. And if you come to this church looking for this church to work out your organization, your ministry, it's, it's the wrong, honestly, it's the wrong church. <laughs> You're going to be, somebody's going to be, have her feelings hurt because our concept, our understanding of the church, I mean, new life is sent, there's more people always being sent out of new life almost than there is coming. And, is, and, and people come here and then they're released to go to their next place or whatever they're doing, or some people come here and view this as a place to get encouraged, as a, as a, a place of unity, a place of encouragement, a place of training to go do the work of ministry. But where concepts get confused is, is if someone comes here and wants us to do your ministry for you, we're going to be your secretary, we're going to be your organization, we're going to be your board of directors, we're going to finance you, we're going to do all these things, so you can go do your work of the ministry, your feelings are going to get hurt. Because that's not our understanding of the church. Our understanding of the church is we all come together and as we're learning to, how be, to be equipped to go do the work of the ministry. And so therefore, uh, a lot of people get their feelings hurt. Now, I say that not because I woke up one morning with that great idea. I say that because I've tried to do that with churches, and, and I've discovered all of a sudden uh, it, it, it doesn't work. Now, what does work is when the church does has like missions like Trevor does. we got missions, and we support people in missions. Uh, and that's how we support people in their individual ministry is, is through the mission arm of the church. But then you can see, uh, then. but if you have a ministry and you want to cast vision for this church, then you're out of step. That's, that's, that's not what this church, what church is about. This church and churches are about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, not to do the work of the ministry for you. And a lot of people want to drink or all cow milk, come to me all the time, but they don't own the cow. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to milk your cow. If you want raw cow milk, go buy your cow. And it's the same concept, same understanding. Uh, if you want to raw cow milk, just go buy the cow. Now, that might sound maybe a little harsh, but it's just very truthful. That way, you just don't, people don't get their feelings hurt. And they understand what's happening here. And so you come here, we get equipped, we get encouraged, we got relationships, we encourage one another. If, we, if we're out there doing ministry and we get banged up, guess what? We come to the church where we got friends and we, and, and we bless each other in ministry. And uh, so therefore, this church tends to be a group of, of people that's called. There's not many people in this church that aren't called into ministry. And uh, they come here to be encouraged and to be trained. And, and uh, so, we, but, and the reason I, I, I say this and I put this in there is, is because of the understanding of in this last days uh, who and what the church really is. And a lot of times we come together as a church and we want to see the power of God move in, in our services. And trust me, we do. But 
my experience has been more the supernaturalness of God operates when we take it out in one-on-one ministry or we go out and do the work of the ministry. A lot of times we come here, we might leave disappointed. Well, I didn't see God uh, heal today or raise the dead or, or whatever. And, we, and we, wanna, we want all of that to happen here. But in reality, we're to come here to go out and do the work of the ministry. And in these last days, if we keep it in here, we have failed. We have utterly failed. And so the reason I'm making this little speech is so we'll get out there and do it. We don't come here to do it. We come here to be trained and perhaps we'll see God do some uh, as a token to give us encouragement. But the greater signs that we'll do in the kingdom will be out in the world taking this good news of the kingdom of God is among us and the kingdom of God is here. So I'm persuaded that we'll see an increase of the supernatural side of God out of this place, not in this place, but out of here. And there again, I believe we'll see it here too. Uh, just as God's people gets together to encourage us. And so uh, with that, it leads me into this first uh, statement here. And the reason I made that little speech there was the church has taught to not sin. In other words, we come in here, we teach people uh, not to sin, uh, to live for God. But now here's what I want you to consider in these last days. But have we taught the difference between truth and lies? You see. So, so that's a question to me. I, not minimizing sin, uh, but also there's a, to teach the difference between a truth and a lie to me is huge. Because how much of a lie needs to be mixed with truth and it's still a lie? And it's that mixture that we see in these days, in these last days. It's the mixture of truth with a lie that was what the Laodicean church was guilty of. It was called lukewarmness. That's where you take hot and cold, mix it together. uh, I'm going to call a lie cold. I'm going to call the truth hot. And you mix them together and you get lukewarm. And there's something about that mixture that makes God sick on his belly. It says he's going to spew us out of his, his uh, of his mouth, and and to me that's worse than a sour stomach, right? It just and so it, there's got to be something deadly about a mixture. There's something worse about a mixture versus one or the other, and I think the mixture causes us to swallow something when it's mixed, that we wouldn't swallow if it was separate. But it appears that the mixture is still just as devastating. Now, we see as, uh, with that in mind, and we view this same concept once again, um, the greater sign of the last days in which we've discussed this is deception. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So this is the big issue. You've heard me say it week after week. I kind of have to begin it with it again to get our our train of thought and our thinking back in the, uh, 
the right concept here. Deception is an act of spiritual warfare. Now, we've been speaking about this. Now, we're going to go into Elijah here right quickly. We just touched on it some last week. Uh, but deception is an act of spiritual warfare. And we talked about uh, psyops here. Now, as we're, as we're speaking about psyops, and I was went through a lot of different things again, uh, I just get on these uh, trails of psyops, and I was looking at Desert Storm. It was actually called in the beginning Desert Shield. It was when Iraq invaded uh, Kuwait, uh, and we know what happened there. And so that's what started that whole, I mean, I've heard a lot of criticism on how, what we did in Iraq, and I've heard all these things, but I, I'm not saying everything was done perfectly, but you got to remember what started it. What started it was the invasion in Kuwait. And so then uh, uh, we rose up to help out Kuwait uh, in, that, in that conflict. Now in Ephesians 5, 6, it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So it's... it's the psychological warfare is the psyops, psychological warfare. And we started going over, uh, we started going over how do you win in advance? It's that concept of how do, you, how do we win in advance? What's the idea of winning in advance? And we understand that the cross of Christ, uh, and even when it says in the scriptures that that uh, we are in the heart of God before the foundations of the, of the world, that, that, that Christ was slain before the foundations of the earth. We, we start getting this spiritual concept of, of moving and operating in advance. And so as a, to the believer, that is tremendously important. The reason we are in here is because we're preparing in advance. Now, if we fail in a certain area in our life, it's because advanced preparation was not taken. Hey, can you hear me? 100% of the time, advanced preparation is not taken when we are failing in a certain area of our life. It's one in advance. And that concept to a to a, a child of God is uh, tremendously important. Now, so we go into this: choose your feeling before you feel, and choose where you are going to stand before you stand. I, I just can't emphasize uh, that enough. It's because when we get into heat of battle, if you have a car wreck, you don't pull out an owner's manual. And read it after the car wreck, right? We, it's, we can pull out the Bible. We can pull out a lot of things uh, after the wreck, but the wreck's already been had, and uh, now we're in cleanup mode instead of... Uh, and so it's so important. I cannot overemphasize it enough because going into these uh, last days, going into these days that we're living in, uh, this concept, this understanding of truth is imperative. It is not optional. Um, so the goal is to control the narrative. One reason we have the faith, uh, we have this narrative um, of 
of, of controlling and understanding the narrative and how it's controlled. Um, and that the goal is to control the narrative. Whoever controls the narrative controls the person or country. Now, can you see that? We went over that last week. But whoever is controlling the narrative of your heart is who is in control of your heart. Now, the narrative is everything. That's the reason if I'm going to control the narrative of my heart, I must do it in advance with the Word of God. And where I'm going to stand, I have to do that in advance. Because when you get into the heat of battle, the narrative of the enemy is going to be louder than yours. That's right. That's the way it works. The narrative of the enemy is going to be louder than your narrative. Now, it just so happens that whoever's narrative is there first, is tends to be the one that holds the ground. If you can hear that. Whoever's narrative is there first is the narrative that holds the ground. That's the reason in repentance, repentance and forgiveness restarts the narrative. If you can hear that. It restarts the narrative. Okay. Now, let's move on a little quicker. The goal of psyops or psychological warfare is to control from within. The battlefield, the battleground is all about the narrative and the intervoice of the Holy Spirit with your spirit. So we see that this is mental warfare. In mental warfare, you must understand that you went in advance of the battle that you are totally winning in advance of the battle. So we find ourselves in the heat of battle. When you're in the heat of battle, it's not time to rethink your position. That thought's done been thunk, if you can hear me. The goal of the enemy is to get you to rethink what you've already thunk because it was given to you by, you can think clearer before the battle than you can in battle. In battle is just to be a replaying of what you've already thought through. So if you're in the battle and at the place of it looks like that I'm losing the battle, there's very few battles that hadn't looked like that they were losing. Um, I'm trying to think of that last... Kentucky Derby, where that one horse uh, was all the way at the back. You know, we who was it? Rich Strike. Rich Strike, that's right. Came all the way from behind and uh, wasn't even being talked about in the race. Came all the way from behind, uh, won that race. Now, the winner of the race, the win was in that horse before the race started. <laughs> the win was already there. Now, when we have a win, we might not agree with the outcome, but it doesn't mean we didn't have a win. We don't say, uh-oh, God didn't do it this time. God does it every time. I might not understand this outcome, but if you look you'll see that you had the win. I say, well, it doesn't feel like a win. Well, it should because you checked your feelings at the beginning. 
Now, let's watch this right quickly. So how do we win in advance? The goal of the enemy is to throw you off emotionally and to control the narrative of your heart. Now that's the whole issue. Now watch this one. Now we're going to move into, as I did last week, of the modern day Elijah. Elijah controlled the narrative. You know, we went into Baal and the, the prophets of Baal and fire of God came down. And, but what you need to understand is Elijah walked in, Elijah controlled the narrative uh, actually, two and a half years previous, close to three, he said, okay, if you don't straighten up, it's going to be a drought, right? So he was in charge of the narrative. So as we look at America, we can easily say to America, if we continue down this path uh, away from God, we, we automatically know what's going on. You see, there's, there's absolutely no problem with what's going on. So as we move into Elijah and understanding him, Elijah won in advance because of his faith in God. Faith is an act of knowing in advance. I, um, I'm sure you can see that as our, uh, you can say, okay, I, you can say, a lot of people have a problem when people say, not my will, but thy will be done in prayer, especially charismatic circles. Now, I'm not really sure why, because it's a very biblical concept. Not my will, but thy will be done. And I've heard it said, well, when you pray that, you're lacking faith. Well, you need to talk to God. You need to talk to Jesus, you know. Uh, Jesus asked God a couple of times, could you not remove this from me, you know. But anyway, and he also said, uh, you know, not my will, but thy will be done. So if... When we are operating in faith, we're saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. So, but I have an outcome of what I'm wanting my faith to produce. But you still need to have on the end of it, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, I understand what people mean by saying, well, if you say that, you don't have faith for your outcome. I'm just saying, I think you're stepping beyond the realms of faith. I don't have a biblical precedence for that. You say, well, the Bible says you need to be believing. I am believing. And my peace is that God's will ultimately will be done. There's great peace in that to know that ultimately God's will will be done. And I have great peace and I have great faith. I put in, in my faith prayer, God, here's what I've, I'm praying for this outcome to be. But I am turning it over to you. So whatever the outcome is, because I believe the word, I believe that your will is being done in this situation because I'm a child of the king. This situation, the individual's a child of the king. God cannot lie, and he has our best interest at heart. Maybe don't understand it, but as a believer, I should not be moved when my faith is not producing the outcome I'm thinking is to produce. It is. It doesn't. This doesn't line up to be foolproof against the, the the word of God. So we find ourselves there, but we also can take great peace in knowing and faith in God. God, you're in charge here. You've got our best interest at heart, and that is in that that we're trusting, trusting your outcome. But I am putting in a word for this outcome. <laughs> Because he tells us to ask. 
He tells us to petition him. And he wants us to do that. But still, we're not like a spoiled child when we don't get away and we pitch a fit. Then say, well, my daddy doesn't love me. Right? That's, that's, that doesn't fit the scripture either. It doesn't, it doesn't fit the narrative of this book, is what I'm saying. So we can, as believers, how can I grow in faith? How can I grow in peace unless I am trusting God with the outcome? Right? Am I worried about America? Yeah, you know, I know we're heading in a direction. I'm not that worried because my peace is with God. I'm going to stand and I'm going to petition, uh, but yet our peace is with God. Now, that's important as we move forward with Elijah. Faith and knowing in advance. Now, uh, now Malachi 4.5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and, and dreadful day uh, of the Lord. So we see here that Elijah, it says, will be coming uh, before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, uh, in Malachi, we, here it says dreadful day of the Lord instead of day of the Lord. So dreadful day of the Lord leads me to believe it's the second coming and not first. But nonetheless, the spirit of Elijah was at both. It was at both. The spirit of Elijah was present at Christ's first coming and will be present at his second coming. But there again, when he says dreadful day of the Lord, that's a little different emphasis. Now, we're uh, now in the last days, and the Lord is restoring the spirit and power of Elijah to his disciples to proclaim the kingdom of God with power and authority to those that are living in darkness. So therefore, as the spirit of Elijah comes upon us, we can see that God is restoring this understanding. That's the reason we call this a prophetic class, is because God is restoring this prophetic mantle, if you will, of Elijah. Uh, you, uh, and I'm going to get into, to, I probably won't make it today, but I am going to get into the different understandings. You know, Elijah got Elijah's uh, mantle. And, um, and what happened was, in the Jordan, Elijah went down to the Jordan. The waters kind of parted again there. Elijah run up there, and then it was in the middle of the Jordan that Elijah was caught up in this whirlwind. Now, that's interesting to me because I'm going to be getting into portals. And it's interesting to me that Elijah was caught up into a portal in the middle of the Jordan. And that's where Elisha caught the mantle. And then John the Baptist wouldn't baptize you nowhere but in the middle of the River Jordan. Leads me to believe there could perhaps have been an open portal over the River Jordan. Now I'm going to be getting into the portals with Elijah, what happened when he built the altar. The reason I throw that in there right now is to give you at least a little bit of an idea of, of, of what happens. Is, is Clifton here this morning? There he is. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're going to pray a portal open here in a minute. I've, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Clifton Petit, is an apostle, Cherokee Nation. He's with us this morning. 
Y'all heard me tell about a man who prayed over my farm. Y'all heard, he's, he's right back there. So uh, he doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to have him pray over, over us. Uh, Prophet Bob Jones has said that there's a portal right over in this area, over this church, all right? I don't take that lightly because when you say portal to me, I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness. And, uh, uh, but my friend, uh, uh, Apostle Clifton there, there is of the Cherokee Nation and uh, this land was all Cherokee before we ran them off, so to speak, and they were mistreated. And, uh, well, it's going to be hard for me to go any further than this. Come on up here, Clifton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Spirit of God done made the introduction, and I didn't realize it. Uh, so uh, come on up here. He, he didn't know I was going to do this. I knew it last night, but the Lord told me not to tell him. And uh, this is uh, Apostle Clifton. How you pronounce Petit? Is that? Pettit. Pettit. I knew I was getting it wrong, but I couldn't remember. Pettit. It's P-E-T-T-I-T. T-T-I-T. Yeah, all right. And uh, he's of the Cherokee Nation. The Lord's called him there. And, uh, he has, a, I think, a tremendous anointing. And I felt like the Lord uh, was going to have him here this morning to... Uh, you know, there's different, the reason I mentioned that mantle and the, from Elijah to Elisha and the portals and uh, there's curses of the land. The land is a big deal with God. Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's no doubt there's an open portal over Jerusalem and over that land, you know, and then there's uh, not only that, you know, even with Jacob, God would call Jacob back to where he had the dream at Bethel. He said, now I want you to go back there so I can talk to you. You are like, well, wow. What, what is so as, as Christians and as believers, we need to understand that this earth has a lot to do to be in association with the heavens, second heaven, third heaven. And uh, so I don't know what my friend here, the Lord's going to give him to say, but we got till 1030 Unless you're caught up, and then we'll wait on you. <laughs> but anyway, what would the Lord give you? Uh, okay, very, uh, very quickly, let me just say, uh, uh, from the Native American uh, perspective about the land, the land has always been uh, something that has provided for us. Right. And to us, the land is very much... A big part of us, yeah. and uh, yeah. whatever the land produced, it produced it our food, our clothes. And uh, saying all of this, I want to just quickly say, God created man from the ground in right. the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. So when we deal spiritually within our own set of how God is uh, moving on us by his spirit. See, this earthly soul that we, that I was created from, when this begins to be quickened by the spirit of God, then 
the land itself begins to obey mm. now. Mm. Mm. That's what God mm. did on mm. his property. And we'll, we'll talk about this more later on mm -hmm. today. And I just want to say before I pray what Alan felt on his land is that now God is going to elevate Alan up unto another, uh, what's that word you're using, a door open? Portal. Portal. Mm -hmm. There's a portal there that is now going to take place within him in the land. Mm. And I believe mm. it took, uh, I don't know how many of you are really aware of uh how important the land is, and but the land will respond and it will do what the Creator tells Him to do mm -hmm. if me and you are able to fulfill the destiny that God has given unto each and every one of us here. Amen. So, uh, so we're stepping into a brand new day. A brand new door is opening, and Jesus mm -hmm. Christ is the door here Amen. today. There's no other door that me and you can go into. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk more later. Me and Alan will talk more about uh, Jacob's ladder and everything. Uh, we've been doing a lot of studying this morning, so mm -hmm. we're ready. Uh, mm -hmm. or, or I'm he, ready for this. He's going to be with me on the Smith and Rowland show at three o'clock. If y'all want to, anybody wants to watch that conversation on Kingdom Prophetic Society. So there is a great door opening and that, the word Elijah, I don't know how many of you are really into names, but your name is what we go by here today in the character and how, you know, everything that you consist of in how you do things, whether if you're angry at times or whether if you're a good person, a good woman, a bad man, or, mm -hmm. you know, your name will tell it all here today. Uh -huh. Now, if you look up the word Elijah, that Eli, Eli, remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? Eli, Eli. Right. The disciples said, who, are, who is he calling on? But if you look, then it, then it gives us a definition my father, my father, Eli, Eli. Mm. In one time in our Bibles, you're going to find Jah, J-A-Y, Eli. Eli, Eli means father, my father, my father. And also J, Elijah. Jah mm. means also the same thing, father. Mm. So what's happening is that that mental of Elijah, as it begins to come back upon us, is what? Mm -hmm. My father now. Amen. This mantle was given from Elijah to Elisha, from Elisha on the sea. The sad thing about the mantle that Elisha received, nobody received Elisha's message. But when his bones were thrown into the cave, right. there was a dead body that was thrown in there and touched the bones uh -huh. of Elisha, and it came back alive. Wow. alive. Sadly to say, nobody on earth really received that mantle. Right. But now, John the Baptist got a hold of that mantle. And from John the Baptist, Jesus got a hold of that mantle. That's right. And from Jesus Christ, that mantle now is ours. Mm -hmm. My Father, my Father is my character. Praise God. 
Father, as we come together here in this building here, I'm believing that by your spirit, unity is going to come. We're going to become as one Christ in you, in the hope of glory, all of the darkness, all of the works of the enemy power, we dismantle and we dismiss them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak peace, not only unto our spirit, soul, and body, but also in the region over our land. Mm-hmm. Let your will be done, Heavenly Father, even as it is in heaven mm-hmm. right now. Let that portal be so real that heaven is wide open. Mm-hmm. And as we move by mm-hmm. your spirit, heaven is now upon us. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 And the house of prayer said, Amen. Shall pray for in Cherokee. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you. We thank you for what you send our way. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your impartation. And as a church, oh God, we receive openly receive those blessings, those impartations that this church might be set aside the road here in Taylorsville and that it might be an open heaven over this place and to those that walk in and those who leave. That an open heaven would be above this place and above the people who come in and who go out. We receive it, O God. We know you have imparted, Lord Jesus, more than we understand. And somehow it's your perfect timing, O God. We don't understand all of that. I I don't pretend to understand it, but I do pretend uh, to know a blessing when I hear it or see it. So, Lord Jesus, we receive it fully. We ask and pray that you'll be with our friend. Yes. That you'll bless him. Yes, God. The work of his hands and all that he says and does as you send him yes. around this nation. May the revelation of your spirit and our dear friend increase. Yes. May it increase. I pray, oh God, that the many wonders and signs that's in your word would be seen when he goes around and he sets fires, spiritual fires, and opens up portals that have been perhaps closed or that that has debris of sin in closing up the portals. I pray, oh God, that you'd be with him and anoint him to carry those things out. Yes, 
So, Lord Jesus, we receive that this place has been blessed by you through a Native American that we believe it has command of the land and we receive it and we thank you for it. And the house of God said, Amen. amen and amen.